0: Welcome to the Free Sermon Podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. I was watching that drummer up there. He's into it. Great blessing to be here. So appreciate it. Pastor Camel and Connie, and uh, the leadership that they furnished for this uh, branch of our fellowship. I think I heard last year that Pastor Camel counted up, and that in our fellowship, there are 60 conferences like this around the world. Hand of God. Wonderful hand of God. If you have your Bibles, turn, to me, uh, turn with me to Psalms 147. Psalms 147. One of the major factors of our generation today, as was mentioned earlier, I think, is homelessness. Many people are born into homes that have no fathers. This begins to affect their lives. We have mothers that reject their babies in our generation. We have families that abandon their children. This is playing out in our, in our generation. I just recently ordered a book that deals with PTSD, which we generally have thought of that as being people who are in the military, but that's not true. It's affecting uh, people who have other issues in life and in our society. But the Bible reveals that God cares for these people, all of them. Not only does he care for them, but he's provided for healing in Jesus Christ. Psalms 147, very, very interesting passage of Scripture. Verse 3 says, He, God, heals the broken in heart, and he binds up their wounds. That's such a powerful statement. And I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight on healing broken hearts. First of all, we want to examine the uh, dimension that God gives the ability to process life. I say often, I said in my sermon this morning, that it doesn't matter what happens to you in life, it's how you process that. If you process that wrongly, and this is what happens to people who have PTSD, is that it doesn't come out well, and it's four elements, that we have a self-identity in the process of life, because these must be in a right proportion. First of all is that people must accomplish something in life. One of the saddest things about people in life is they're living a life, have no purpose, accomplishing nothing. I think it was after I was in Holland last year preaching that the pastors there as were putting a sermon together. They triggered me and says, their churches are filled with good people doing nothing. So we have to be accomplishing something in life. If we're not accomplishing something, we become imbalanced. Secondly, uh, we need recognition for that. Wonderful to come to these conferences and hear men of God giving reports of what God is doing in their churches, and they've accomplished something. Thirdly, we need to love and be loved. We're emotional creatures. Without that, we are lacking something that's crucial. And number four, we have to be comp- uh, involved in something that we don't know how it's gonna come out. Conferences are wonderful things. Can you say amen? We're going to launch couples out of this conference don't have the slightest idea how that's going to come. We're just rolling the (laughs) dice. But thank God, many of them make history for that. But in the process of that, sin assaults us and produces in us guilt. And this has to do with our self-testimony. We have a conscience, And our conscience is involved in our self testimony. And an interesting statement you've heard me say before is that guilt must find atonement. If we do not find God's atonement, which is in the blood of Jesus Christ, we internalize that. And as we internalize that, it doesn't go away, but it causes mental twistings, causes an emotional imbalance. And many times it breaks out in diseases. So let's look at this for a moment, because healing of broken hearts is going to be very important. Years ago, I was in a uh, crusade with Clifton Erickson. He was the healer in the, uh, in the early days of the uh, 10 revivals. A woman came and he said, what, do I, uh, what can I pray for you? She said, I want a healing of a broken heart. I was a new convert, and I kind of shoved that aside and said, I want to see some real miracles. But I'm older now, and this is one of the major problems of many, many people. And many people are overwhelmed by trauma. If you've been in any crusades where I am, if you'll uh, follow what I do and what I'm dealing with. I often ask people, what kind of trauma have you had in life? And that often is the root of their disease. But in the verse that we read, 147 verse 3, it talks about in verse 3, wounded souls. Now, this is reality. It has to do with the brokenness of heart. Some people may have fear that has overwhelmed them, it torments them, it's grabbed dominion in their life. Others have failure in their lives and they've never recovered from that. Others are seized by rejection. Others are actual sins that they've committed. And the Bible speaks of trauma as brokenheartedness. Think about this for a moment. Or soul injury. Brokenheartedness or soul injury. Trauma is a brain disorder that affects the brain and the body. The Bible spotlights this. Let me read that again. Psalm one forty-seven, verse 3. He healeth the broken heart and and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 61, and verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the broken hearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Our sorrows or our griefs are spoken about in Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely, Jesus Christ, he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. There are many gateways That the devil takes advantage of us and brings this to us. Breaking of relationship. Sometimes a breaking of relationship causes a wounding in our heart. Many times marriages that disintegrate produces brokenheartedness. There are people that sometimes they are violated emotionally. People are molested. It's one of the major problems of our generation. Uh, Bondages come because of the breaking of relationships, sometimes personal failure. I have no doubt there are people here tonight that you've suffered personal failure, sometimes in ministry, sometimes in business. uh, And uh, as that has taken place, uh, a death of a loved one, a death of a child uh, or a partner, all of these can produce uh, this brokenheartedness. I have a book, and that book is called The Body Keeps the Record. Very, very interesting book. It deals with conscience, which I've mentioned to- tonight. Uh, and uh, the Bible uh, uh, emphasizes and underlines transgressions. These are sins that we've uh, committed against God's will. And uh, what happens to us. Uh, If we do not properly process that, we internalize that, uh, then it damages what is known as our self-testimony, which is produced by our uh, our conscience. Uh, It twists our mind, it warps our emotions, uh, and many times it begins to affect the body. Uh, And Satan, of course, is the accuser of the brethren. That's us. Broken hearts are the devil's agenda tonight he exploits every uh, weakness every failure of life when we have any kind of failure he does not come on the scene immediately but he's a strategist he lays this on a shelf and holds that uh, until a strategic moment i remember i had re- received a phone call a man i had pastored from overseas, uh, that was overseas and he called me and he's desperate for help he has confidence uh, in my ability, and he relates to me, a failure that no one knew about but himself, that uh, he had uh, done uh, one time in his life. But here he is now, as the years grow on, uh, he has become weakened in his body, uh, and at that moment, the devil then pulls that failure off the shelf, uh, and he's in desperate problems uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. uh, and he's calling me to give him some advice to help him uh, to recover from that. So I've said uh, marriage sometimes brings this when there's a failure. Sometimes ministry failure brings this about. Uh, discouragement, someone has written, is a failure of the will. Thinking about that, we think about Cain. Cain uh, writes his testimony in Genesis four, thirteen, 13 uh, uh, through 15. The Bible says, and Cain said to the Lord, remember he's murdered uh, his brother Abel. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven, driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face uh, from thy face shall I be hidden, and I shall be a fugitive or a vagabond in the, in the earth, a wanderer in the earth, and it shall come to pass that any one that uh, finds me shall slay me so here is Cain, he's separated from God, and he's writing the consequences of that in his spirit. Proverbs 18, verse 14 says, the spirit of a man will uh, sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Now think about this for a moment, because Satan orchestrates failures, whether that's ministry, whether that's moral, or whether that's personal, then he becomes the accuser of the brethren. He torments, he brings condemnation. Romans 8 says there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so, as I was preparing this sermon, I was reminded of a man who had a moral failure that came back into our congregation for restoration. Somebody said to that man, if you can't be restored in the Prescott congregation, you can't be restored. This is a personal choice. So thinking about that this evening, let's move into the subject that we want to talk about, is God is a healer. Can you say amen? Amen. I just preached in Farmington, New Mexico on Saturday. I use Exodus 15, 26, where God says, uh, I am Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals you. Saw so numbers of people instantly healed by the power of God. And God is a healer tonight. So I can give you a personal testimony about many, uh, many, many things. In 1986, my wife and I went to an international Bible conference, of the Foursquare Gospel, in Glorieta, New Mexico. In these conferences, uh, all the divisional superintendents, all the missionary superintendents so on are in that first meeting and in that first meeting they're talking about uh, uh, changing bylaws and they pass it by through all of these people who are leaders uh, and uh, they then begin to process that. The first man that uh, uh, indicated raised his hand he says, I want to make a motion. Here's my wife and I. We've traveled from Prescott to Gloria to New Mexico. Here are people from the Four Square Gospel from around the world. Some of our missionaries, all of them were the supervisors. And he said, I want to make a motion. And they recognized him. And he said, I want to make a motion that we throw out the Arizona Fellowship. So my wife and I are sitting here, 250 eyes go, like a laser on that. They discussed it for two and a half hours while we're sitting there they're watching us as we're reacting to this, and at the end of that, they decided they are going to appoint a committee to study this problem, so we, we, we went to lunch. One of our rewards for being a division superintendent was they did a catered lunch at that period of time, so we went to lunch. Not a single person wanted to sit with us. Now think about this for a moment, because I'd been, uh, God had wonderfully blessed us with a Jesus People movement, and I'd go to conferences and conventions and people would shout at me, Pastor Mitchell, hello there. They wouldn't spit on me if I was on fire. They wanted to be seen shaking my hand. But after that event, nobody wanted to sit with us to eat lunch. Very, very interesting about human nature. And so this was a major emotional shock to our personalities. 1990, in the Prescott Conference, some 85 pastors left our fellowship and split the fellowship wide open and left. And the reason for that, most of it was because of me. This is the dirty bad guy that's treating them wrong somehow or other. I never did figure out how, but... Most of us, because they had to have responsibility and take responsibility. And so, some uh, 85 churches left. Only God knows how many people lost eternity because of what these people did. So, let's move that to a larger arena now, because I'm talking about something personal when I'm talking about the healing of a broken heart. Time moves on, and uh, a little faggot, F A G G O T, faggot, that's what they are, queer. That makes you nervous, come talk to me. His name was Rick Ross. He was a part of what was known as Cult Awareness Network, kidnapped a boy up in Washington, and uh, as a result of that, caused a major upheaval, uh, charges against him. He was sued for $5 million in the Cult Awareness Network had to be disseminated, and uh, I think it was, uh, uh, I can't remember the outfit, bought all of their records and their mailing list. Uh, But at any rate, uh, Rick Ross gained uh, uh, deep hatred for our fellowship. He began to go into various churches, went into Tucson, went into Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, somebody hired him to deprogram somebody that got wonderfully saved, and uh, he... uh, he had me on the radio one time, and uh, he's uh, causing major damage. He triggered Dan Rather. How many of you remember Dan Rather? Dan Rather is a man who uh, attacked uh, George Bush, uh, did a false report on Judge George Bush that he uh, did something wrong for the military back in history, and uh, it proved to be not true. Dan Rather had triggered Rick Ross and did a special when I was a part of that special that uh, potentially dangerous cult leaders. So you're looking at one right here, I'm dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I really am a kind man, you know, but that really hurt. So I remember seeing Dan Rather. He had got some footage out of the uh, crusade we did in the downtown Civic Center in, uh, in Phoenix. And uh, he... Uh, In this, he shows me, he still frames me, a potentially dangerous cult leader. And I looked at that, and I said, that's not me, you know. But the reason that he showed that was Rick Ross triggered him. He did no investigation about that, never talked to anybody, never sent anybody on the side. He took Rick Ross's uh, word for that, and him not doing his job was the reason that, that because he did the number on George Bush, he got fired. Dan Rather is looking for a job today. I'm preaching around the world. (laughs) So I had to get that in tonight. Did that make you feel better? It made me feel immensely better. I don't wish Dan Rather any bad luck, but he brought it on himself. So let's get to our subject tonight because... uh, Here's the promise tonight of God bringing healing. He says in Psalms 147, he binds up the broken hearts. That's a very, very interesting uh, uh, statement because it really talks about this issue of wounding broken hearts. It actually is interpreted a a, uh, shattered heart. So you're talking about major difficulty in human personality that the devil has exercised and strategized, and it causes a major difficulty in human personality. Many people have PTSD as a result of that. In Psalms 109 and verse 22, it says, For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. Now, there are people sitting here this mo- this evening, and you are wounded in heart. Listen carefully to the Bible. This is a major issue in the Bible, Psalms 147, verse 3. He heals the broken in heart, and he binds up uh, their wounds. Isaiah chapter 61, one. I want to read it again. It's repeated in Luke 4, 18, by the Lord Jesus Christ as he initiates uh, his ministry in the synagogue of Galilee, as they hand him the book of Isaiah. He quoted this scripture in Luke four eighteen: The spirit of the Lord God's upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, uh, and the opening of the prison to those uh, who are bound. Christianity is a vicarious religion. When I say that, that means... Uh, that Christianity is because Jesus Christ went to Calvary's tree. He suffered for my sins and your sins, paid the price for us in our place. And that's what Vicarious is. It's one who suffers in the place of another. This is a major issue in the Bible. Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross and suffered for you and I. Isaiah 53, verse 5 the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. This is an accomplished fact. Isaiah 53, verse 4, uh, takes that word regrets, uh, which is translated in some uh, uh, some translations as remorse. Uh, says, surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Uh, Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, uh, and uh, afflicted. God's purpose for you and I is to give us hope. Can you say amen? Thank God for that. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what problems you have. Uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ tonight, you have hope. Amen. Listen to Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. one of my favorite scriptures. For I know the p- plans or the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end or a future and uh, a hope. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I preached a sermon, I think, last year, maybe the year before, And I said, I often pray, and when I pray, I thank God that he gives me the spirit of youth. That's biblical, you know. Two times in the Bible it says that he'll give you the renew your youth as he eagles. It works. Look at me. 88 years old. Thank God. It works. I encourage you to pray that. Some of you old duffers are staggering around. You're still still 40 years old. You're already planning your retirement. Start praying that verse. Not only that, but 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. I often pray and say, God, I thank you for a sound mind. I think I have a sound mind. Pastor Campbell still thinks I have a sound mind. He invited me here. (laughs) So you're challenged tonight to act. Think about this for a moment because I'm reading verses of God's Word, which are living. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Your challenge to act, Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. That is a very powerful word. Jesus, when he initiated the New Testament gospel that he was trying to accomplish, Went into the synagogue of Galilee, they handed him the scroll, which was the book of Isaiah. It was open to Isaiah 61, 1. This is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18. It says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Think about that for a moment. Uh, to preach deliverance to the captives uh, and recovering of sight to the blind. They're set at liberty, then they're bruised. He handed it back to the moderator, sat down, and said, This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. They were so excited about that, they tried to cast him over a cliff and kill him <laughs> because they were religious but not saved. I think I told Pastor Camel that last week my brother George, that he and his wife led my wife and I to the Lord, 1954. He passed away. I went to the funeral. On the way down, uh, my family, Greg and Lisa, my daughter Deborah, they asked me, they said, uh, was uh, George and I on filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, I'm not sure. But I got filled with the Holy Spirit in that church where they attended. And we went to that church service. There wasn't one word spoken about Jesus. The gospel is not explained. We're sitting listening to this. My niece was the pastor now, the regular pastor. is. I taught him when he was 14 years old in the Sunday school class, but now he's retired, no longer, you know, no longer functioning. He couldn't function. But my family, when we left, that, they said, Dad, Thank you for getting us out of that kind of religion. That's religion. It was not the gospel. Sadly, my brother was saved. His wife was saved. I got filled with the Holy Ghost in that church. I got called to the ministry out of that. But that church no longer exists. These are the remnants of what would happen to you unless you lay hold, as someone has said earlier, in what God has done in our fellowship. Grasp it, it's precious, it's valuable, it'll get you to heaven, it'll make you productive in life and lay hold of that. First Peter two twenty four, he picks this up in the New Testament, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now think about this for a moment, because Here is a powerful, powerful dimension. And sitting in this auditorium tonight are people who have a broken heart. Some of you have been betrayed in life. Some of you have been betrayed in marriage. Some of you have been betrayed in ministry. Some of you have been betrayed by sexual molestation. Some of you have various things in life that have brought a shock to your soul. You've been wounded in your soul. And you're bearing the remarks of that. But I have good news for you tonight. Jesus Christ can heal you in a moment of time. Church services are designed to furnish an opportunity and a challenge for you and I to respond and exercise our faith. You must claim this. Think about this for a moment. I want to use a figure from the Bible. His name is Peter. Jesus said to Peter one day, uh, Peter, uh, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, no, 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 Lord. Listen, I, I'll go to, you to the end that night during a meeting at Caiaphas' house where Jesus has been taken prisoner. And a little girl says to him, you're one of those Galileans. No, 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 I don't even know this man. A little bit later, another one said to him, you, you, your speech betrays you. You're one of these Galileans. No, 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 not me. And then before the night's over, a third one did, and he began to curse. You know, if you cuss, they know you're not a Christian. <laughs> Throw that in just on the side. But that's not the end of the story. Think about this for a moment, because uh, Jesus is crucified. He's put in the tomb. He's raised from the dead the third day. And uh, Peter's one of the first ones to run to the tomb to see if he's still there. He and John, Peter being uh, younger, he lets John come and look in, and they see the grave clothes there. And the way they're lying, a body just left those and ascended to heaven. They're still there. When he sees that, no man could arrange grave clothes like that, and they believed. Others come, and uh, an angel comes and says to them, uh, "Why seek you the living among the uh, the dead? Among the living, he said, he told you to go to Galilee, and he'll meet you there." And then he adds one word. He says, "The disciples, you go there and meet him, and take Peter." Mark's Gospel, chapter sixteen, verse seven. Take Peter. Now, why did he say that? Because Peter was the one that denied him. They go to Galilee, and the scenario is there, John 21. Jesus appears, and he begins to talk to them, catching some fish. He has it there, and uh, he begins to say, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said that again. Peter, uh, do you love me? He says, you know that I love you, Lord. Then you feed my sheep, then feed my lamb. And the third time, he says to him, Peter, do you love me? And he says, you know that I love you, Lord. And a great miracle took place as he says, feed my sheep. That was his calling. That was what he selected Peter out to do, is preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on the day of Pentecost, when God poured out the Holy Spirit on the 120 in the upper room, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Cloven tongues like fire fell upon them, A great and mighty wind filled the place. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. When this is to be explained, it's Peter that stands up and says, You men of Israel, these men are not drunk like you think they are, staggering around speaking out in languages that you don't understand. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel 2, 28 and 29. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Think about that for a moment. Here's a man that has failed God horribly. I have no doubt there are people here sitting with broken hearts uh, that you have failed God. Can I say something to you? Jeremiah says to you, I have the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. they are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hallelujah. What a wonderful God we serve. Can you say amen? I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. You must claim this. I was reading a book recently that uh, is entitled manly men has a poem by Rudyard Kipling, I, it's not the complete poem but I love this it says if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it, risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings never breathe a word about your loss if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they're gone and so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them uh, hold on if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you if all men count with you but not too much If you can fill the forgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run years is the earth that and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. I want every head bowed, I want every eye closed. I want you to stop the music for a moment. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. There are people here this evening with broken hearts. There are people here this uh, evening that you have wounded souls. Maybe a broken marriage, it may be a failed ministry, it may be a failed a business it may be a rejection it may be any one of a thousand things that you're sitting there and the wounds of heart the devil has done a shot in your personality and you need to be healed tonight you don't need to tell me what the problem is you don't need to tell anyone that but tonight there are people here and you're sitting there with broken hearts I want you to lift your hand right where. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.